becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing those other songs. Glimmer, glimmer, shift the ship's in the sea. Hey, we're here. We're here. Welcome. Welcome to the shores. All right. I like that we start every every episode now with a cheers and a sip. <laughs> exactly. Join us, y'all. <laughs> you need to. It's like, unless you're listening to this at like you know ten in the morning on a walk. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Probably not. But unless it's Saturday, I'm not going to judge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. What do we have today? I don't know. That just made me think of uh, rituals, like rituals, like how important rituals are mm. just to kind of center yourself and mm-hmm. like, okay, Hey, let's go. I like that. It is a nice centering <laughs> thing. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah. So what do we got? Matt, you got some things you want to drop on us. That's like actually good news. Well, or maybe not necessarily maybe good news, but we'll more. see. I kind of want to investigate that. Okay. Is this good news? Cause I've had this feeling this week that something has lifted a little bit. Um, like there was, you, you said something earlier about there's sort of like a, a, um, a containment and a condemnation hmm. that has been sort of lurking in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 2020. There's been all kinds of things <laughs> lurking in the air. Um, but something just felt different this week. Mm-hmm. Like something seemed to have lifted. Something seemed to, and you know, by a little bit, like barely noticeable. Yeah. Um, I kind of mentioned that to you the other day and you seem to agree. I um, noticed some people saying the same thing on social media. Mm-hmm. I thought, what could this be about? Because I couldn't think of anything that had really changed. Yeah. Um, you know, other than uh, Ruth, G- Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing was kind of the most recent big deal. And that's no, that's no reason for the sentiment that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't make sense at all. Um, so I just sat down and tried to write down some things that seem different. And I don't know if these are, um, accounting for this feeling. So I kind of like, I want to get back to the feeling. Like mm-hmm. I want to maybe talk through a couple of these things, but try to talk about what that might mean that there seems to be a lift, why that happens. I think there's sort of natural cycles of it in life anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and how we might utilize that. Yeah. Um, so I think the first big change comes from black lives matter and the New York times. Oh, well, yeah, those are big ones. Yeah. Um, so just this week, uh, black lives matter has changed their about page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty dramatic. Yeah. It's not like just like a few sentences here right. and there. And we've talked about on, on the pod before that, Black, Black Lives Matter is this over, semantically overloaded term because mm-hmm. it simultaneously stands for at least three different things that are, um, you know, not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Or are mutually exclusive? What does mutually exclusive mean? <laughs> they're all, they're very different. <laughs> they're very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have Black Lives Matter, the statement. Mm-hmm. You have Black Lives Matter, the movement. And you have Black Lives Matter, the organization. Mm-hmm. So Black Lives Matter, the organization up until um, a couple of days ago, it seems. I think I just found out about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. It may have just happened yesterday. Yeah, today's the 23rd, so yeah. anybody's wanting to... Yeah, we've been releasing episodes a little later. Yeah. Uh, so if we're going <laughs> to keep talking about current events, we should probably fix that. Yeah. 
but so previously their about page, uh, was, was kind of strange. Um, it listed a lot of things that you would not assume to be associated with the sentiment black lives matter. Mm -hmm. Um, so a couple of them, let me, let me find the old, I've got a screenshot of the old one. Um, so basically it's boiled down to four and it was like 15 points. Right. And the four are what you would assume from the sentiment black lives matter. Mm -hmm. So this is having to sync. Let me, maybe we'll start with what's there now. Um, so in no particular order, without reading the whole thing, um, we are working for a war, a world where black lives are no longer systematically targeted for demise. Mm -hmm. That seems to align with the sentiment and the movement, Mm -hmm. maybe movement more. Um, we affirm our humanity, our contributions to this society and our resilience in the face of deadly oppression. This is making a lot of sense. Um, our network centers those who have been marginalized within black liberation movements and specifically mentions black queer, queer and trans folks, disabled folks, undocumented folks, folks with records, women and black lives along the gender spectrum. Um, and that's, that's about it. The previous version had, and my screenshot is not loading. Let me, let me pull it up this way. I definitely remember, you know, as far as, uh, the one thing was the, the nuclear, like dismantling the nuclear family. That was like a huge one that has, is gone off of the <clears throat> website. Yeah. So, um, so I have it pulled up now. So a couple of them were the one you just mentioned. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, one another, especially our children to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Um, we dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private, even as they participate in public justice work. Um, we gather when we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he, she, or they disclose otherwise. Um, like a lot of things that the sentiment black lives matter you wouldn't expect these things to be on that. Mm -hmm. So I think for a lot of people, it, it sort of caused this, this pause, like what, okay, what is this about? Mm -hmm. What is this organization really about? Because nobody assumed anything about dismantling the Western prescribed notion of, uh, the nuclear family. Like, what does that have to do with black lives matter? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was the most contentious uh, part of that. I mean, all the other stuff, it's like, there's a lot of, it's, you know, I think it's still included in the black lives movement, but it's not centered on those. It's like, those are, those are aspects of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, I think the, they kind of got rid of a lot of the, the postmodern jargon, it seemed like, Mm -hmm. which I think that's, that's the confusing part because most people really don't know what a lot of those words mean. Right. and myself included too. Right, right. <laughs> it's just so confusing. <laughs> you know, so I don't know why this would be, why they might change that. I don't mm-hmm. know if it has something to do with their perception of public response to these mm-hmm. things. Um, if potentially 
broader, broader approval ratings for Black Lives Matter in general are dropping amidst the riots and protests and mm-hmm. associated killings <clears throat> and uh, you know property damage that have happened. Yeah. I don't know what the reason for this is. Yeah. You know, that's maybe one hypothesis. Um, another could potentially be that the uh, federal government has, as we discussed last week, um, now <clears throat> issued an order that no government institution can engage in um, teaching that any race is inferior or superior mm-hmm. or that America is inherently evil, um, which has, and, and, and that included too, not just government institutions, but government contractors. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a big deal. I don't fully understand the ramifications of that. I wonder if maybe that has something to do with it. Mm. Either way, at least there's a bit less cognitive dissonance between what you know what you might assume Black Lives Matter is and what the organization is saying that they are and what their priorities are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that changed, yeah. and that seemed big. And I don't know what it means or what or what their intentions are, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth noting and paying attention to. Yeah, well, it's interesting too. Like just even just walking back language, you know, it's like how do you how do you do that? Like, this is what we're about. And then to, I mean, I could see it, I could see it being framed as a consolidation, you know, to make it a little bit more simple, you know? Yeah. But in that case, this is definitely sort of the Moat and Bailey thing. Yeah. Because in, in one way, the, the new, the new description could include the old description, mm-hmm. but they're really, it's a conflation that they're, they're not the same. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't necessarily equate to each other. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also whatever, you know, just talking about the 1619 project and how, uh, was it Nicole Hannah-Jones? Yes. You're saying? Yeah, kind of has walked back some of her language. Right. So this is the New York Times mm-hmm. thing that I was talking about, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's just interesting that all within one week, a lot of this, a lot of, the, a lot of language is being kind of, uh, walked back. I think it's the best way to, to say it. It's like, Oh, we weren't really saying that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, again, you were the one that, that brought this up to me. So I don't know if you want to, <laughs> I'm just going to repeat what you told me. <laughs> well, I thought, so I thought the black lives matter thing was pretty astounding. Again, not sure that I know exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the 1619 project walking back their central premise is another thing that I find to be pretty astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have gotten a lot of backlash. They've been under a lot of scrutiny from a lot of people mm-hmm. for that project. And that project's been out for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had previously said that their goal was to argue that the true founding of the United States was 1619, not 1776. Mm-hmm. So 1619 being the year that the um, first slaves were brought here. Um, and then they, I haven't read, I haven't read it, but apparently there's a lot of bad history in it. Mm-hmm. Um, things that there are no, that there's really zero evidence for, such as they claim that um, the American revolution was a, was a preemptive response to the British government potentially making slavery illegal. So they decided, so they're arguing that the revolution was about keeping slavery. Hmm. There's no evidence for this. Yeah. 
So, but the central premise, and Nicole Hannah-Jones, who headed up the 1619 Project, um, has tweeted about it a lot, that she argues that the true founding of the United States was in 1619. Um, they have somewhat quietly changed this, both her and the um, New York Times. They've removed that line mm -hmm. from the intro paragraph. They're now, now talking about it as a way to, uh, I don't have it pulled up now, but but to reframe history including you know more of the narrative yeah which that's a great thing mm -hmm. that should be done totally um so this is really interesting and, and nicole hannah jones has now deleted apparently almost all of her tweets uh especially pertaining to this claim that she made quite a lot on twitter mm -hmm. so this isn't this is astounding and again what does this mean i don't know yeah but this is a change a big change mm -hmm. um you know, we talk a lot about narrative and, and where the narrative was going was um, these were two big pieces of that. Mm -hmm. And now they've changed it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain, like, because, I mean, again, you and I are kind of dorks and we follow this stuff. And, and I mean, there's people that are a lot more dorky than us, but it, it whenever someone changes their narrative, <clears throat> that that's that's a really big deal. And it's hard to depending on when you come into the stream is kind of where you understand the narrative. You mm -hmm. know, I think even whenever, uh, with the Blake stuff, like, you know, at the very beginning, there was sort of this narrative that was thrown out there like, Oh, Blake came to separate these uh, two girls fighting. You know, it's like, and if you happen onto that narrative, then that's what you're starting with, you know? Um, uh, not the, not the other things that happened. For right. that. I mean, I didn't <clears throat> use that as an example. Um, but, but once a narrative is embedded, it's very difficult to change it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of psychological studies that show that um, people will not change their minds even after being told that they were lied to and given false information. Yeah. They still hold opinions that were derived off of that information. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. I mean, it's the first thing it's embedded. I mean, it's even with my kids, it's like, you know, there's a lot of things that Alice and I want to be the first to talk about talk to them about it you mm -hmm. know it's like whether it be sex um you know uh, relationship stuff you know we want to be the first person to engage them in that space yeah uh and i think it's really important that you know I, us as parents like we we, sh we need to be the, that first voice in their life right um because we're responsible for them you know yeah um so it's, 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 and that, that can really shape somebody's future and perspective, you know, and it takes a little while to, <laughs> to change that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, so I don't know if this is a true narrative change mm -hmm. or if this is a, <clears throat> a regroup, um, somehow. I, yeah. know, I don't know what it is. I would like to believe that maybe Black Lives Matter, the organization, is pulling back from being quite so radical and maybe mm. focusing on actually improving the lives of black people. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I would like to think that the New York times and Nicole Hannah Jones has realized the negative ramifications of their central premise mm -hmm. and is actually attempting to add perspective to history. Mm -hmm. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, both of these changes came without any sort of press release or comment. So mm -hmm. I kind of doubt that that's the case. Yeah. So I don't know what else 
it could be about, but um, seems like something of a reprieve from the confusing madness of those positions. Well, that's the thing is I don't understand. I, and this is kind of like standard f- for the media in general, you know, once it's out of the limelight or at one narrative was already accepted, then there's no sort of revisiting and correcting or shedding new light. You know, it's like, cause I, I find that usually again, kind of on most, most mainstream media is like once they've established a narrative and the narrative change or shift from what they were proposing, then it seems like they just go quiet and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's easier to do that than to say, hey, man, we got this wrong or, hey, there's right. kind of a correction here as we got more information. Right. You know, because that's a, that's a legit thing to do is like, hey, we got more information. Mm-hmm. Let us update you so that you can be along for the ride in this instead right. of like, you know, like continuing like squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> what an analogy. No, that's what it feels like. It's like, yeah. And this is happening. Don't look over there. Over here. Over, right. over here. Forget about that last <laughs> thing. Yeah. We don't need to resolve all of the inconsistencies uh, and uh, irrationality there. We'll just look at the next thing. Look at the next thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so one more thing that happened, I guess, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, the. Um, University president of Princeton released a letter basically doing what lots of corporations are doing right now, which is this, we're so very racist and we're so very sorry and we're going to change. We're going to do better. Mm -hmm. This has been happening since George Floyd. Um, So he wrote a letter, uh, and this is a quote, um, from the letter racism and the damage it does to the people of color nevertheless persist at Princeton and remain embedded in the structures of the university itself. Not surprising. Yeah. A lot of people have, a lot of people have said things Mm -hmm. like this. So Betsy DeVos at the department of education responded and said, basically um, you just admitted that the structures of your university are racist. That's been illegal for 50 years. So we are going to do our job and investigate you now and remove federal funding from university if we find that you bre- you're breaking the law. Yeah. Which. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, no, we're not. I mean, yes, we are. I mean, no, we're not. I mean, yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> so, so they're now caught uh-huh. in between this admission that they have to give from social pressure mm-hmm. and then the reality that. That That's has been illegal yeah. for a very long time. <laughs> and so, okay, now we're going to investigate you. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe this one is a great example of sort of the lifting of something though. Mm-hmm. Like it never, I, I've been watching these people in corporations say we're racist and it just seems absurd. Mm-hmm. And just thinking, how, how do you fight this? Everybody's demanding that everyone admit that they're racist. And how do you, how do you, what, how do you possibly fight it? Yeah. And then this happened and I was like, oh, well, that's so simple. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's against the law. We should prosecute them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really ridiculous. I mean, again, racism does exist. And so it's like we do need to, uh, you know, prosecute and, and everything according to the law. Do it. You know, it's like. Right. But there's a sort of like smoke of racism that we're, uh, we're supposed to admit to. And if you do that as a corporation or as a university, it's like, 
no, that's against the law. You can't, you're not supposed to do that. You know, it's like, or be a part of that. So I think that's, I think it's just really ironic that, well, it's like, what is the, uh, the jump the shark analogy? Oh yeah. I I feel like Princeton kind of jumped the shark. Uh It's like, it's one thing to acknowledge racism. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to jump the shark and say the structures of our university are racist. Yeah. So now they've gotten themselves into a pickle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seemed a little bit sobering, yeah. which I was glad for. Mm-hmm. And I hope that maybe, um, maybe part of what I'm feeling about the lifting is like some amount of, of sobering up. Like, okay, maybe we've hit a limit of something. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's been saying that the United States is systemically racist. Every structure here is racist. Every institution, every corporation Every white heart, everything is is uh, irretrievably racist. Yeah, and it, and maybe we kind of hit the edge of that, mm-hmm. and we're realizing, oh, we can't go beyond this because it's going to be bad for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and maybe we'll be able to pull back a little bit. Yeah, it's hard because I mean, I again, I, I can hear the arguments against that too. It's like, oh, it's not that it's an outward racism but a, like a, what do do they call it? A, uh, it's like a ghost sort of racism, like where it's like not a subconscious racism, Um, you know? I think covert Covert, is the word that's used a lot. Yeah. A covert racism. Mm -hmm. And so I can see like Princeton kind of shifting the argument to that, you know, it's like, but I still don't know what you do with that. It's like, I mean, in a court of law, so it's like we're supposed to prosecute racism. Mm-hmm. So how do you prosecute covert racism? You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's really problematic. Right. Uh, again, because we have made it illegal to function in a racist way in right. public institutions and private institutions. You know, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> so I, I think this this response from the Department of Education is something of a kind of a troll mm-hmm. like I, I don't think that if they went and investigated Princeton they would find structures of racism yeah. but I think that's the troll move it's like mm-hmm. okay if you have structures of racism then here's the way that we legally respond to that yeah and then they have to say oh no sorry our structures aren't racist and then revert back to something else mm-hmm. yeah I'd, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see in the coming weeks what their response is to that and yeah. how that kind of goes so that's, that'll be a fun story to kind of catch back up on um (laughs) i don't know how good this is well so since we since covid really um and we've been talking more a lot about current events i I think we've both been using our ipads a little bit more to take notes and like pull Mm -hmm. up quotes and references and before that we would have these sort of like in the flow conversations um, and I was all, everything was on do not disturb. And it was just about our conversation. And mm-hmm. I would love to get back to that <laughs> totally. cause I just had my iPad up and I got a news alert, um, <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> well, you'll like this for another five days, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to go into this, but I am going to read it to you. Um, Louisville police say one of their officers has been shot as protests over Breonna Taylor grand jury ruling intensify. Hmm. That was fast. Yeah. This just happened today. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and the lifting has <laughs> come back <laughs> down. Come back down. Well, I think that's the hard thing is there is there's still I think there's still there's a lot of unrest and a lot of frustration and just also just pe- just bad actors too, you yeah, know. And right. I think it's hard and with the with all the different narratives and that are being spun right now, it, I just I just think we we all need to take a breath, you know. I think that's the um I think that's yeah. just a wise thing to do. Yeah. And it's and it's really hard because with, you know, the elections coming up, um, you know, Ruth uh, Ruth uh, shoot, RBG, that's all that's in my head right now. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> <laughs> RBG. I'm not helping you. <laughs> I'm going to just say RBG instead of slaughter. Right Ginsburg. <laughs> Anyways, RBG has just passed away. And, you know, it's like, and it's so hard because like honoring somebody's life that's been in the Supreme Court, you know, it's like, I think there's something with that. And, and it's kind of sad. It's just kind of, I think we're just kind of moving past that way back, way into the political aspects of this. And I mean, again, yeah. there's things that you have to do on the, on the, just the, you know, backside of this, you know, so, right. um, always uh, interesting how that's sort of like handled, you know, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> cause it's like, again, and, uh, I see her also being used as a political, um, uh, sort of battering ram in all this also. And it's like, I think it'd be hard when you to just lose perspective of all she's done in her, her of life. A person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You said something about, um, chaos, people sort of flocking towards the chaos. Hmm. Did you use those words? I don't know, but that sounds great. Well, it reminded me of, um, so Douglas Murray was on Joe Rogan recently. Um, and it's a really excellent interview. I, I recommend it. I I like Douglas Murray a lot. He wrote a book called the madness of crowds. Hmm. That was really good. Um, a couple of years ago, I guess a year and a half, maybe Mm -hmm. two years ago. Um, and actually he's just released an updated version that includes a new chapter apparently about sort of what's gone on with coronavirus and, um, the social unrest this Mm -hmm. year. But he made a point about how, when, when chaos starts. So I think he was trying to make the point that a lot of people believe that, you know, seeing the chaos in the streets, um, seeing headlines like the one that I just read, will make people sober up a bit and be like, whoa, this is going bad places. Maybe we need to back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he said, there's always going to be a certain number of people who see the chaos and are going to run right into it. Hmm. They want it. Yeah. Um, and that seemed archetypally true to me that there are people who see things burning down mm-hmm. and whether out of <clears throat> unarticulated frustration or um, unarticulated distress that they haven't found a place for Mm -hmm. can be released in a way that doesn't have to, doesn't, doesn't require that they understand it. It just, they find an outlet. Mm -hmm. They will flock toward chaos. Yeah. Um, I've noticed this in different ways throughout life. Um, There's a certain type of, person and and I tend to find them usually in social groups, in family groups, even in um, like small town groups who are just addicted to drama. Hmm. 
Um, I think everyone knows the kind of person, like they don't do well unless there's something really dramatic going oh, on. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I usually run the other way. The other way from those people. <laughs> um, but I think there's also a type of person who sees the images in Portland and Seattle and LA and DC and they think, I got to go get a part of that. Um, so that was a really interesting point that he made. Um, go listen to that interview. He articulate, articulates it really well. And I don't remember now sort of his um, sort of suggestion at the end of that or, mm-hmm. or what to do about that. But listen to that. This might be a decent time to shift to Joe Rogan, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, which you, you kind of mentioned before the podcast. What are your, your thoughts on <laughs> what's going on there? Yeah, it's just uh, it's funny because like right now I feel like you and I are doing more of a news type I know. of thing. <laughs> like, like we're not. I really, don't love it, but uh, yeah. But there's just so much going on. It's been kind of. Int- I mean, I, I guess that's kind of like with the the theme of this is because you know there's just some things that have happened in the last you know few weeks that are kind of feel like there's a little bit of a shifting going on. Whether that was from our conversation a couple weeks ago about COVID or yeah. some of these things right now, it's like you know again there's still some heavy things ahead of us, but uh, yeah, it's been really fascinating to see like what, what Joe Rogan and Tim Kennedy on Joe Rogan's podcast, like just basically it was like, yeah, I totally have, you know, Trump and Biden on here for a four hour long conversation and we just hash it out. Right. And you know, if you listen to them, like you're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Because the thing is, is after about 30 minutes, all this, all the facade falls off. From and his guests. From his guests. Right. Um, and you get, you're left with the person. And so I think there's just something really valuable about that, um, that format, and especially with Joe Rogan. He's also very disarming. Yeah. Uh, he's fair. He's actually, he's actually pretty gentle to his guests. Yeah. And he's been ridiculed for that. But that's also allows his guests to sort of be themselves and to say the things that they might not usually talk about, you know, and I think that's, I think that's really cool. And so anyways, uh, Tim Kennedy, the MMA fighter, uh, Navy SEAL guy, uh, tweeted that out and, uh, Donald Trump said, yes, I'm in. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Biden, like immediately, immediately, of course, (laughs) of course he would. Uh, and then, you know, like no word from Biden at all. Yeah. Uh, but then like there's, it, then it just sort of like, you kind of saw the media could just sort of turn on Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan's like, like left, like he's not, he's, he's a Democrat, like, you know, not just left of center, but left. And he's been called alt right and all kinds of other stuff. But it's just funny to see like the media really pushing him and, and to the sort of far right category and ridiculing him on a lot of the stuff. Pushing that, Joe. Pushing Joe. Yeah. yeah. As far as like, and their narrative, which he is not, you know, which it's, it's just absolutely crazy. And also just some of the things like he's brought up in the past that he'll talk freely about, but if you don't get the context of it in it's full, yeah, it, it, you just miss it. Mm-hmm. And so I was well, listening to that thing you sent me that was at the daily or it was a, uh, episode from on the media WNYC. Um, I think it was on the media podcast called on the media, on the media. Yeah. Right. And I was listening to it and I was just like, I don't, you guys don't, don't get it. You know, you, you don't know who you're talking about. There was parts where the guy who was speaking, like, I was like, okay, yeah, you, you listen to him because I mean, he talks to scientists, to, you know, radio personalities to, you know, he's got this breadth of, 
he's yeah joe's had everyone on Mm -hmm. And, and for context like let's not forget Joe Rogan's podcast is the biggest podcast that there is in the world. Yeah. yeah. And this is astounding mm-hmm. because he puts out what four or five episodes a day, every single one. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. Not, not a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about Biden recently saying that 200 million people will have died of COVID by the end of this speech. Um, Anyone can make a mistake. y'all. Anybody can. <laughs> um, yeah. So he'll put out three to five episodes a week. Mm-hmm. Each episode is three hours long, if not longer. Yeah. It's an astounding amount of content. Mm-hmm. And he, and there is no one who won't go on his show. Yeah. Apparently, except Joe Biden now. Joe Biden. <laughs> um, but he's had Elon Musk a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He's had, um, Jack, uh, Twitter, Jack James, Dorsey, Jack Dorsey, mm-hmm. James Lindsay. Um, he's had, Mike Tyson. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson. Uh-huh. Um, like, his credibility is super high. And I think for mm-hmm. all the reasons you just said, he's very disarming. Mm-hmm. He's very gentle. He is left-leaning, but he doesn't cram his views down anybody's mm-hmm. throat. Honestly, the show's not even about his own views. Yeah. Like, I'm, <clears throat> I feel like I know where he stands on a couple of issues, but mm-hmm. that's not what the show's about. The show's about his guests. Mm-hmm which makes him an incredible, this whole thing, an incredible opportunity for us to get to know these presidential candidates in a way that we never could in a televised moderated debate mm-hmm. where there's 30 second time limits on answers Yeah, um, <clears throat> and commercial breaks. And it's an hour long total. And the questions are so predictable too. Yeah. So what has been strange is that Everyone, not everyone, a lot of people have started to go out after he him saying, yeah, I'd, I would have them on. Mm-hmm. People started going after him saying that he's transphobic, misogynistic, racist, alt-right. Mm-hmm. Like just the, throwing all the words, just all him. the words, all the dirty words. <clears throat> and that's what Joe is. All the dirty right. words. <laughs> he's all the bad things. Uh, and I don't understand the motivation for it. Uh, Do you understand that? Like well, why, why they want to take him out? There's theories on it too. It's like, well, number one is like Biden can't do it. I don't think he can hold together for something like that. Like, I mean, even Donald Trump won't be able to handle it. I think even if they agreed, it wouldn't end up being four hours. No, it'd be two hours probably. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I don't think Joe would do it for less than two hours. Probably not. Yeah. Because you can't, it's really like, he that. can't get to where he wants to go mm-hmm. in less time. Yeah. Cause right at the hour <clears throat> marks, whenever you start, Making that transition. But I, I did want to make a point that a lot of people have made, um, mm-hmm. but that the Joe Rogan podcast taught us something about people that I don't think we previously knew, hmm. which is that oh, we yeah. have the appetite for this. Mm-hmm. That was the point I was trying to make about all the episodes and how long they are. People will sit down and listen. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Millions and millions of people. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you can have this format and it be the number one podcast. Oh, I've seen like some of his are like 9 million. I think Elon Musk is up to the 9 million. Yeah. I know Peterson is. I know. <clears throat> is that on YouTube? Mm-hmm. On YouTube. Oh, yeah. So, so we don't know what the YouTube. Yeah, we yeah, don't know what Spotify sorry. and Apple numbers are. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just I'll put that together. Yeah. You don't even know what the. Because you, you're more of a podcast person. I watch them on YouTube. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I listen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's amazing because I think that we previously thought people had short attention spans and you even still hear people talking about how short people's attention spans are. And I think, mm-hmm. I think we're missing something there. I don't think that that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think we have the capacity to have short attention spans and sometimes that happens, mm-hmm. but 
I don't know. This sort of proves that, wait a second, maybe we do have long attention spans and lots of time. But the fact of the matter then, I mean, just the, the, just how they're going, like even Spotify, some of the, I guess there was some, some talk inside Spotify about sort of censoring Joe Rogan because he, he signed a contract with them and I, I don't know the details of it, but, um, you know, it just, it, it made me think about, so this might be shifting a little bit and maybe go back into more of the philosophical <laughs> aspects of this, but, but it really made me let's think about it. Like, let's get back home. Uh, just the idea of like, you know, as you grow in something and, you know, power, authority, responsibility, whatever it might be, it seems like there definitely comes along with it a certain amount of ridicule, hmm. you know? Um, and it's sort of like you hit this, you, you, you know, it's like as you grow into something and the ridicule and the um, uh, critiques and stuff like that come in, it's like you kind of hit a spot and you kind of plateau out and you get used to it, you know? But then a whole nother level comes in. Because I mean, Joe Rogan, he gets calls up all the time, but then like this thing just took him into a whole nother area where he's like on the, you know, spotlight on yeah. all the <laughs> on all these different formats, you know? So I was just thinking about like how hard that is for, I mean, even like, you know, Biden, Trump, all these people and the, the amount of ridicule and, and critiquing that people are doing. It's unbelievable. I don't, I mean, even what we're doing right now, we're critiquing things too. It's right. Like, I mean, hopefully we're trying, we're trying to be fair anyways, as much as possible. I, I do find it unbelievable that people can take it. Mm-hmm. And that was actually another thing that Joe and Douglas Murray talked about. Hmm. I mean, Joe talked about, so Douglas Murray's book, um, is, uh, the chat, do you remember the chapters? Um, the sexes, mm-hmm. uh, race, transgender, and was the last one. Gay right? and transgender. I feel like he started, uh, Douglas Murray is, is gay. And so he spent a huge part of the book on that because he felt like he could really speak to that part of mm-hmm. it. Um, and a lot of things that kind of come with that. So I know I know that was like a, a, a major part of that. So, but. yeah. Well, my point is that these are all, all four of these are like hugely hot button issues. Yeah. And he just dove right into it. Mm-hmm. And so he's gotten a lot of negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, probably even more positive feedback. I mean, the book is excellent. Mm-hmm. But Joe asked him, uh, Joe Rogan asked him, like, how do you deal with what people say about you. So people have said really, really awful things about you. Mm-hmm. His response was great. His response was basically like, it doesn't mean anything to me. Hmm. Like people that I know and love and respect, I, that what they say to me means something to me. Yeah. But like people <clears throat> just sort of shouting on the internet about what they think, like, why would that matter to me? Yeah. Um, which it, even Joe Rogan was like, I can't believe that wouldn't, you wouldn't feel anything from that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but I, it is astounding, like how much, like just take Trump and Biden for example, like mm-hmm. how much um, critique they're having to take. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could take it. Well, you know, again, just being in business for fourteen years. I mean, even you've got. Well, it's I just um, well, you know, being in business for fourteen years, it's like there's a certain amount of you kind of have to accept because people are going to misunderstand right. you, you know, it's like, um, and also you don't always make the best decisions, you know, as you mess up and all that kind of stuff. So right. there's that reality too. So there's a certain humbling aspect to it. You know, it's like, 
because you will be called out and you're, you are public, you know? So I, I exist on a very small, small scale of this, but, but if I, I can, for me, I can kind of extrapolate up a little bit, you know, as far as like, like you do have to kind of accept a certain amount of ridicule and critique right. and, and a certain amount that you just kind of like, Hey, I can't do anything about that. Yeah. Well, I do have a theory and I think to kind of go back, you, you were talking about this a second ago that you like, as you come into prominence, you, mm-hmm. you, there's a certain level of negativity and critique that you accept. And then that sort of levels out, but then mm-hmm. there's like a next level of it. Yeah. But I mean, it might, I agree with that. And I think <clears throat> we actually talked about this with David Ramirez on like episode oh, five yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, where he was getting, starting to get negative feedback about his music. Mm. And my response was congratulations. Cause, <laughs> like, Cause I've always had this theory that oh. like you haven't really made it in any important way mm-hmm. unless people are free to tell you what they think of you negatively. Yeah. You know, with music specifically, it's like when you start making music, of course, everyone's going to tell you that they like it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, Oh shoot! I, and it's not until you get to a certain <laughs> level to where enough it's like it's it's accepted widely enough that you're good. Yeah, that people are finally willing to say, you know, I don't agree with that, mm-hmm. and that's like a marker of of success, I think. But I think you're right. You know, at some point there's a new level, mm-hmm. and at that level, it's much bigger, and there's a lot more negativity. And the <clears throat> it's not just negative feedback; it's attempts to take you out. Yeah. attempts to ruin your personality, to have your job taken from you. It's, as you mentioned, um, Spotify employees are demanding to have control over what Joe Rogan episodes they release on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah, they were because uh, he was changing his music style. And I remember that. that was, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that was really fascinating. Which actually, the record... Uh, that he was talking about in that episode is out now. So you can go listen to it. It's called My Love is a Hurricane. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Very different, too. Uh-huh. Very, I mean, he was right on about what he said. Oh, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, I like his I like his voice. Excellent voice. Yeah, very brooding and country, but yeah, also folky and... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't do very good uh, music critique, so... <laughs> <laughs> I I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, <laughs> You've already waited. Go, like, already like, waited too deep. I did. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I'm out of my. I'm out of my. Uh, over my neck and the water is in three seconds. <laughs> but at the same time, so there's a part of that too. It's like um, I find myself like not wanting to. Like I, I get kind of comfortable with the level of responsibility that I have. Yeah, and I just kind of want to just stay in that space. Um, I think there's a little bit of laziness in that, you know, not like there's a proverb about like, like kind of like uh, the idea is like, be careful of him, of the person who has a lot of friends, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like my idea when I, when I read this proverb, I was like, well, that really just kind of drove me nuts. I'll have to, I'll have to find the actual, uh, quote, but, um, because I was like, it's like, what's wrong with having a lot of friends, you know? Hmm. Um, but there's, can be this kind of idea of where you're trying to like just people pleasing, you know, it's like where you kind of gather people around you and you just kind of end up pleasing them. And there's no sort of like right. actual relationship. I mean, and, um, you know, most relationships, there's some sort of contention or even like, uh, how does Peterson talk about it? Contending together, you know, um, and want to be in relationship with someone you can contend with. Yeah. And, 
And it's like, if you don't have that, I mean, it's like, really, is that a, is that a friendship? You know, it's like, is, are those people that you really, uh, that care about you and you care about, you know, when things get hard or tough? Um, cause I think that's whenever like Brett Weinstein, this same thing is like, whenever he went through his thing at, at Evergreen, he's like, yeah, I lost a lot of friends, but I also found who my friends really were. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a part of going through and, and standing up is like, you do find out who your friends are. Yeah. And I think that's really, I think there's something really important with that, you know, um, and who you're going to stand with, you know? Right. But that also requires telling the truth Mm -hmm. when the risk is losing relationship. Yeah. That's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even like the things that we talk about on this podcast too, I, I think about that as like, I mean, we're, we're talking about a lot of really problematic, you know, or contentious things. And we're trying to, we're, we're dancing around and trying to learn and, and grow and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I've always thought about, it's like, well, if someone heard this or they heard this episode, but didn't understand all the context of that, you know, it's like, right. it's like, I could even see that part of it being frustrating. You know, it's like, um, but again, I, I think that's, that's part of the part that I think you and I are most interested in this. And also this podcast also helps us to better speak out loud, you know, and, and hear ourselves and contend back and forth in order to understand what we think. Well, and that's, what's been so difficult about this year and Mm -hmm. why we actually stopped podcasting for a minute. Yeah. Because the truth becomes difficult enough to tell or the risk becomes high enough at some point where you, I would say the exploring of the truth. Yeah. The exploring of the truth. Yeah, That's a good distinction to make. It isn't as if we know the truth and say, but it's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. It's that we don't know the truth and the way to find the truth is to explore and figure out what's wrong, Mm -hmm. figure out what feels right, try to falsify it, figure out what feels wrong Mm-hmm. Try to falsify that, but the risk of doing that sometimes can become, or at least feel, so great that you are incentivized to not do it. Yeah, and we struggled with that, mm-hmm. and I think we've kind of, you know, over the last ten or so episodes, not even that many, um, since Allison was on. Yeah. I think we've been pushing ourselves to actively explore at the risk of saying something wrong, getting mm-hmm. something wrong, having a point of view which upsets or frustrates someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and that's, and I think everyone can hear us struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what we wanted. We want to do that and do that more too. It's, um, um, well, it's, it's, it's built right into the name of the podcast, <laughs> totally. right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, we want to be in the area that mm-hmm. is in between what we know and we don't know. Yeah. And the necessary side effect of that is the expansion of our own ignorance with, mm-hmm. as we move, as we expand what we know and push further out into the chaos. Also mm-hmm. our ignorance expands. Yeah. The chaos, the chaos. Yeah, we were kind of talking about that, you know, earlier, like, um, we're on the porch just talking and, and it's like, there's a certain amount that you, 
Well, I was thinking of my experts. Um, like well, our last episode was about critical race theory. It's like, I will probably never be an expert on critical race theory. Um, but again, there's, there's a, there's a handful of people that have really explored these ideas and not just, yeah. I mean, there's a critical race theorist and then there's also those who are critiquing that. And it's like being able to kind of get a grasp of that, you know? Um, so I think there's that part where, you know, in that it's like, I feel a lot more comfortable since we started kind of walking down these roads and trying to understand like, what is this, what is intersectionality? What is critical race theory? You know, what is, um, white fragility? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, cause like when I hear it in the public or when I hear it from other people, it doesn't make sense to me. And it's like, now I understand why it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And that's the part that's important. Right. Um, and I'm always willing to go deeper on that with somebody, but I'm also not going to be an expert in that area, you yeah. know? Um, but there are people who have explored these in areas like the James Lindsay book, yeah. Cynic, uh, cynical theories is really great. Well, this is why it's so important. So, you know, maybe back to the, the squirrel comment earlier <laughs> and, um, the 1619 project. Yeah. You know, if somebody can't say, Hey, I've changed my position. Here's why. Mm-hmm. And, and give an honest analysis of that. Mm-hmm. then they lose cr- trust and credibility, which is another theme of 2020, oddly enough, with um, the WHO and CDC and mm-hmm. everyone sort of not admitting to sort of uh, deceptive positions on things such as masks or whether or not it was airborne. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did kind of come around and change their position, but there wasn't a lot of comment on it, and that mm-hmm. erodes trust. And I think that... Um, you know, probably this move by the New York Times is going to erode trust. But back to your point about not being an expert on these things, you can't be. Yeah. Like we need people who are experts in things. Yeah. But not everyone, because not everyone can be experts in everything. Totally. And we need those people to be honorable and credible. Yeah. So that we can trust when they say, this is what this is. Mm-hmm. You don't know, need to go read these 10 books. I've read them. I've analyzed them. I've written about them. Yeah. And here's what you need to know. We need those people. Totally. And we need to be the people that we trust so that we don't have to be experts on all these things because we simply can't. Mm -hmm. And this is why we need a functioning society. Well, also most people don't have the, 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 what do you call it? the dorkiness of you and I kind of go one step. We're not going to be experts, but we're going to be one step <laughs> beyond just a, a comprehensiveness of it. It's like, right. it's like, that's kind of what I want to be able to communicate clearly why something is the case and look at both sides of like, yeah. you know, that's why I watch a, a David Pakman who's a progressive and a Robert, uh, uh, David, um, I'm sorry, uh, Shapiro, who's a conservative, you know, it's like, I want to know what other people are saying about these topics from different perspectives, but I can't, I can't be the expert on right. it, the yeah. epidemiologist or whatever it might be. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've been, um, really curious over the last 
I don't know, this year, mm-hmm. you and I have kind of gotten into politics this year. Yeah. I think we're both, uh, done dubious about it and <laughs> annoyed with the fact that this is true and yeah. that every time we're together, we end up talking okay, about hold something on. political. We were talking in the kitchen and we started talking about all these different senators and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this sounds like we're talking about like baseball players or basketball players and talking about RBIs and how many, you know, in 2007, there was a steal that was amazing. Oh, yeah. Anyways. But I think, I think it, it was, it was, I was like embarrassed and it was just you and I, um, but I think maybe I've got a clue into why one of the reasons this, that this is, mm-hmm. is because one of the purposes of a functioning society mm-hmm. is that we don't have to be experts in everything. Yeah. We can entrust that other people are going to understand climate change <clears throat> and its effects on us and the environment and say, here's the deal. And we can say, okay. Yeah. Um, or we can trust that there's an expert on coronavirus or trust that there is an expert on um, uh, the, the state of police brutality. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons that you and I have be- become politically engaged is because it does seem like that fundamental purpose of our society has broken down in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. and it, Or it is at least at risk of breaking down. Yeah, And that would be a return to chaos mm-hmm. and that alarmed us. Well, it happened with the statistics, like our episode 42, we talk about statistics right. a lot. It's like, you know, we started looking at like how people were interpreting them and we're like, Whoa, how did you get that? Like, and it just baffled us. Right. And so we kind of deep dived into that. And there was like a lot of mistrust that started happening with us. I want, I want to make, um, A follow-on point to that. So, we saw the. Um, I'm hesitant to dive into Brianna Taylor, um, and and we sort mm. of said this in the last episode too, just because there's so much unknown about it. But at, you know, we got the alert that a police officer has been shot now in Louisville because uh, you know we don't exactly know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some uh, clearly amount of unrest or rioting that's going on there in response to um, one of the police officers being indicted yeah. today because, uh, not because, they indicted him for, um, what, what did they say that it was? Um, warrant, uh, wa- wanton. Yeah, I, I didn't understand the verbiage of it, honestly. Basically, he was irresponsible in the way that he fired off his gun. Yeah. They did not indict him for anything directly causing the death of Brianna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are very upset. Um, I'm not going to make a judgment on this. No. And, and here's why. And I want to read the response from ACLU. Um, Today's verdict is not accountability and not close to justice. This is the manifestation of what the millions of people who have taken to the streets to protest police violence already know. Modern policing and our criminal legal system are rotten to the core. That's the ACLU. That's crazy. Well, and the point that I want to make is that they've gotten it exactly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, to demand that what criminal justice is, is what we all want, is exactly what 
modern society has brought us out of. Mm-hmm. This, this tribal rule, this mob rule that we had before modern society, that if you think they're a witch, they're a witch. Mm. You know, it, it, it's the, um, the, um, the uh, what, what's the, um, in Spain with the, oh, the Inquisition, the great Inquisition. Mm-hmm. It's if we think that you're a sinner, we're burning you at the stake. Yeah. It's what we think. And the justice system came and said, it's not what anyone thinks. It's what we can prove without a reasonable doubt to be true. Mm-hmm. The criminal justice system is protecting us from the mob rule. The criminal justice system in this case is doing what it should do. Yeah. Um, and that is not rotten. And I think we have maybe forgotten what it means what, or what it might mean, or maybe we've, we've, we're so far beyond it that we have no idea what it might mean to not have a functioning society in which we have experts we can trust mm-hmm. so that we don't have to be an expert in everything or to live without a society that protects us from the mob rule. Mm-hmm. That is not a reality that I am interested in testing. Yeah. And I think we've all forgotten that. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, again, I mean, just, I think just in general in this area, like, like you might be passionate and emotionally involved and want a certain outcome, mm-hmm. but we also have a system in place to hopefully, um, give give the justice that needs to be according to the crime and i think that's the i think that's the hard thing for us to sometimes <clears throat> kind of distinguish between yeah. our emotional wanting of something versus right. the actual crime right and again that comes to narrative too there's a lot of people believing certain narratives about this that may or may not be true you know but yeah. in the court of law you can only prove you know, you can only, um, uh, uh, try somebody about what you can prove. Right. And that's really important mm-hmm. because otherwise, if it's not about proof, then it's just about what people feel and think. Yeah. And then that's the most unjust situation of all. Yeah. That's when you kind of go into chaos. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Make that journey. Well, but hopefully, um, whatever shift has been felt, Mm-hmm will continue to make headway. I hope that we aren't on a path towards the disintegration of our society, that we are on the path to understanding it better, Mm -hmm. loving it better, um, changing what we can while also being grateful and thankful and, and feel safe and rest easy for what it has given us Mm -hmm. compared to what people lived like before. Yeah. And I, I really do hope that's the case. And I think that it might be, and I, I, I take a lot of, I, I have renewed this week, renewed faith in our society and in our people. Mm -hmm. The arguments are still going to be the same. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep going. Um, but I hope that we can stay intact. I think, I think we will. I think, I think that's the part is like, as it plays out, I mean, the, the, always the initial emotional reaction of everyone, whether, whatever it was with COVID and, and just the not understanding, you know, you know, 
uh, anyways, we'll just stick with COVID, but it's like, there's a time where we need to kind of, we sit with it and we learn. And soon I I always believe like truth will out, you know, it's like, and you know, the whole idea of like what's on the university of Texas, you know, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm. It's like, there's freedom and truth, Yeah, you know, anything else leads to sort of a, a slavery of the mind, you know, of the, of the motions yeah. and will. It's like, um, and I, I, I do believe that the truth mm-hmm. will win out mm-hmm. always yeah. in the end. I mean, Jordan Peterson has a great line about how you can lie about things, but in his experience as a clinical psychologist, no one gets away with anything ever. Yeah. I always love how he says it too. Cause he says it's so extreme. Yeah. Very Ever. extreme. <laughs> but I, I, I would guess that sort of gut check, like mm-hmm. th- that feels true to me. Yeah. You don't really get away with things. Um, so, but we also have the opportunity to speed up the process. Yeah. <laughs> like we can bring the truth on faster. Yeah. Um, through honest exploration and doing that in humility mm-hmm. and accepting the risk of that process. Yeah. So yeah. Listening and humility are definitely a huge thing. And also being able to challenge, you know, right. Challenge other people. Um, but again, in a loving way, not in a, uh, a ruthless, <laughs> a ruthless way. Yeah. Well, shoot, man. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I do think we're at about time. Yeah. Thanks for having these conversations with me. Yeah, dude, man. I, I just had a moment where I thought I'm starting to feel safer here, mm-hmm. even though I know everyone's going to hear this. <laughs> totally. Like I had sent you, um, something I saw on Instagram that I agreed with, but I thought there's no way I could ever post this like to my stories. I would honestly just like bring it up here. I'd feel safe bringing it up here, but I would not feel safe putting it on my stories. I don't know what that's about, (laughs) but thank you for making that environment here with me. Yeah. This has been good. No, it's always, man, that's, that's the thing is like, you know, whoever you are out there, it's like find, find people that you can discuss things with and even be able to bring up things that are controversial um, you know, and be able to hear people out too. It's like, if there's something that you disagree with, you know, you know, seek understanding and, 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 and talk it out. Yeah. I think that's just really, it's just really important to have people in your life that you can do that with. You know, I think yeah. that's, uh, I think that's why we started this, you know, that's <laughs> right. why not the only reason why we've been friends, <laughs> but like, it's, it's definitely a huge part of it is like, we're contending together, you know? Yeah. As iron sharpens iron. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> well, right. thanks for going on this journey with us, guys. Yeah, totally. We Looking love you guys. forward to many more. Shoot ya. Shoot We're ya. 40, what is this? 44? 45. Damn. Oh, we got three to left. Podcast getting old. <laughs> totally. All right. All right. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, love y'all. See y'all. Ciao.